Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and we're listening to Blood Kiss by Karen Chebin. Today, we are listening to the thrilling conclusion of this psychological suspense novel that blends romance with creepy thrills. So let's get comfy, turn up the volume, and read a good book. 27. Alicia's mouth was dry. Too dry. Her arms hurt. She tried to move, but she couldn't. At least, not well. She wiggled, but pain shot through her extremities. She rolled her head, but an intense throbbing burn through her skull and blinded her. She blinked rapidly until her vision cleared. She didn't know where she was. The room was dark. Heavy curtains hung on the windows, blocking out the light. She couldn't make out the shapes that filled the room. What happened? Confusion overwhelmed her as her eyes closed again, and darkness engulfed her. Angry and scared voices filled the space around her. Alicia forced herself awake. Her tongue stuck to the roof of her mouth. The back of her eyelids scratched along the surface of her eyes as she willed her eyes to open. She blinked rapidly, trying to moisten her eyes and improve her vision. Her arms were killing her. The pain started in her shoulders and radiated down her arms and into her numb fingertips. She tried to move her arms, but she couldn't. She turned her head, craning to look above her shoulder, and that was when everything snapped into place. Her breath came in short gasps. She jerked her hands wildly in an attempt to free herself. Plastic zip ties encircled her wrists and strapped her to a wrought iron bed frame. She pulled but the frame just banged against the wall. She wiggled her legs, hoping to sit up, but felt the rough scratch of rope cut into her ankles. She was trapped. Fear consumed her. Her heart rate soared. She couldn't catch her breath. She'd never imagined being in this scenario. Seeing it played on in movies was one thing. Living it was something completely different. Panic engulfed her. She pulled wildly on her hands, twisting and hoping to free herself from the plastic ties that restrained her, but the heavy-duty plastic simply rubbed her wrists raw. Hush, hush, a man's voice cooed. He snapped her head in his direction and watched as he stood from kneeling beside a woman huddled in the corner. A woman's hands were zip-tied and ropes secured to her feet. A rag gagged the woman, muffling her moans and cries. Alicia watched as the man slowly made his way to her as if he didn't want to frighten her. How could he do this? Mr. Parker, she whispered. A tear streamed down her cheek. Why hadn't she listened to Mike? She should have hidden at Savage Securities. Pacey reached behind his back and pulled out a gun. He set it on the bedside table. He wouldn't bring a gun into their bed. Besides, he only had it on him in case the dumb oaf showed up. He sat beside Alicia. The mattress bowed slightly under his weight and forced her body to roll towards him. Oh, 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 my sweet, he soothed. You must call me Pacey. He lay down and stretched out beside her, his face looking into hers as he gently cupped her cheek. Or perhaps we can come up with a pet name that we both enjoy. He could think of many names he wanted to call her and he couldn't wait to hear her calling out his name when she came. He couldn't wait to look into those marvelous eyes as he rocked into her and felt her shatter around him. He loved her eyes. Most blue eyes were not as vibrant as hers, 
he could get lost in the depths of her azure pools. He rolled onto his side and draped one leg over hers so their hips were aligned. He wasn't ready to consummate their love. He certainly wouldn't do it in front of the bitch. But he did look forward to sharing all of himself with Alicia. He needed her to know his affection for her, and the proof of his love was expanding in his pants as he snuggled up next to her. As his blood rushed through him, he reminded himself not to get distracted by his carnal feelings for Alicia. He stroked away her tears with his knuckles. You rest, my sweet. We'll have time to catch up later. He pressed a kiss to her lips. He was disappointed when she didn't open her mouth to him. He wanted to taste her, to feel the warmth of her mouth as his tongue explored her. I'll be back. I just have one little problem to resolve. He looked over his shoulder at the woman bound in the corner. Then it will just be the two of us. He pressed his hand to Alicia's abdomen and admired the flatness of her belly. She was fit and firm, the opposite of his wife, the bitch. The bitch had been good for a while, but he was ready to trade up. He stood and gazed down at Alicia's fine figure stretched out on his bed. Pacey, please, she pleaded. My arms hurt. Her shoulders burned and the pain radiated down her arms. How long had he had her like this, stretched out as if in some sort of medieval torture device? After being cramped in the cooler and then stretched out on the bed, but he wasn't sure he was ready to release her yet. He looked at her and considered his options. He wanted her in a good mood for later, but he also wanted to keep her contained. She didn't need to see what he was going to do in the bathroom. He wanted to spare her that. He loved her too much to allow her to witness such an offensive sight. Please, she whispered. I'm in pain. As she blinked, her lashes forced tears to fall down her cheeks. I know you love me. Her stomach churned on the words, but she only had to keep Pacey happy until Mike came for her. She still had her bra on, thank God. She prayed that he'd find her in time. Please, let me get more comfortable. I'm not going anywhere, she promised. Alicia licked her lips and gave him a weak smile hoping that he would give in to her, please. Pacey loved her. Loved her more than he loved himself. He ached at the pain he saw etched on her face. Okay, my love, he said. He went to the dresser and picked up a knife. He held the blade up and looked at the woman on the floor. She eyed Pacey and shook her head. Alicia lifted her head as far as she could to get a better look at the woman, but the angle was bad. Pacey sat on the bed and trailed his finger up the soft flesh of Alicia's arm. He slipped the blade under the plastic zip tie. With a quick flick of his wrist, he cut the plastic and her arms fell free. He set the knife on the bedside table beside the gun. Tears streamed down Alicia's face. She didn't know if it was from the pain in her arms or the fear engulfing her, but she was certainly out of control. She sat up and rolled her shoulders. She rubbed her wrists where the plastic had cut into them. Her skin was red and raw. Hatred began to replace the fear, and determination to survive consumed her. She looked up at Pacey as she rubbed her wrist. Thanks, she said. 
She quickly eyed the gun on the bedside table. It was a Glock. Pacey hated seeing the red marks on her delicate wrists. I'm sorry, he soothed. He pressed her sore skin to his mouth and tasted the saltiness of her flesh. Alicia wanted to hit him. Punch him in the face and break his nose. But her feet were still tied to the bed. She'd never reached the gun, even if she dazed him for a moment. So she sat there, letting him lick her. She fought the urge to throw up. Pacey gazed into her eyes as he tongued her wrist. She tasted better than he imagined. There was a time when he got hard pasting his wife, but the bitch didn't do it for him anymore. Now he needed Alicia. Now he understood what love really was. He saw it in Alicia's eyes. You wait here, my love. Pacey nestled Alicia's hands in her lap. I need to speak to this lady. He looked over his shoulder to the cow huddled in the corner. Then he reached over, grabbed the gun, and slipped it into the space between his pants and his back. Is that your wife? Alicia asked. She hated the sound of her voice, all shaky and pathetic. The woman huddled in the corner looked vaguely familiar. Alicia thought she recognized her from the staff holiday party last year. Now tears streamed black mascara down her face. Blue scrub pants with the multicolored teddy bear scrub shirt reminded Alicia that she was a nurse. She's a nurse, right? You don't need to worry about her, Pacey bit out. He hadn't wanted Alicia to see the bitch. He didn't want anything to mar their coupling. I'm going to take care of her, he said. Alicia noted the cruel edge to his voice. She looks scared, Alicia said. Maybe you should let her go. It will just be the two of us. What the hell am I saying? She stared at the gun handle that peeked out from the back of his waistband. With her feet still tied to the bed, he was just out of reach. She'd never get the gun from him. Pacey looked over his shoulder at Alicia. His eyes pierced her, and her courage nearly crumbled. She already knew he was out of touch with reality, but the look in his eyes revealed how dangerous he was. Nothing was off limits to him. She's my problem. I'll take care of her, he bit out. Alicia felt each word as if it were a bullet strategically placed to her heart. She knew what he meant to do to the woman, and she wanted to throw up. It was bad enough that he kidnapped her, but to kill someone so he could rape her was more than she could handle. She shook her head and said, No, no. She scooted and raised herself up as best she could with her feet still tied to the bed. Don't hurt her, Pacey, she pleaded. She reached out to grab his arms, but he was just out of reach. Don't hurt her. She has nothing to do with us. Pacey reached down and grabbed the bitch by the wrists and hauled her up. She was heavier than Alicia. But his anger fueled him, gave him the strength to haul her fat ass around. Mary spastically shook her head and pulled against him, struggling to get away. She'd known she needed to leave him. Their marriage had ended long ago. She knew he wasn't faithful, but she hadn't been either. She should have left his sorry ass when she caught him jacking off to pictures of teachers from his school on the internet but she hadn't left him. She put up with his shit because going through the motions was easier than starting all over again. And now her laziness was going to kill her. The fucked up bastard was going to kill her.
She saw it in his eyes. No, Mary mumbled. No, she screamed through the spit-soaked rag. She could barely breathe. Her nose was clogged with mucus because of all her crying, and the gag made breathing through her mouth difficult. She scratched at his bicep as he pulled her along. Pacey was tired of the bitch. He should have drugged her, too. For a genius, you sure are stupid, he thought to himself. He dragged Mary into the hallway and slammed her back against the wall. Her head smashed into a picture that hung on the wall. He smiled when he saw the picture's glass break behind her head. He barked a laugh when he noticed it was a picture of them cutting the cake from their wedding. How wonderfully perfect. He managed to destroy their wedding picture just as she destroyed their marriage. Blood trickled down Mary's neck. Her mousy brown hair suddenly had red highlights that he especially liked. She really should have been a redhead. Pain shot through Mary's head and lights dazzled before her eyes when she made contact with the wall. Tiny pieces of glass cut into her skin. Pacey pulled her away from the wall and dragged her along. She fought against him. She didn't care if he shoved her against the wall again. She was dead if she didn't fight. She wasn't going down without a fight. Mary heard the other woman pleading from the bedroom. She couldn't believe the other woman was begging for her life. She appreciated her support, but she knew it would do no good. At least her death would be quick, and she hoped painless. But unfortunately, it looked like Pacey had plans for the defenseless woman tied to the bed. Mary's sex life with Pacey had ranged from non-existent to barely there. He struggled to keep an erection, and when he could keep it up, he humped about like a rutting pig. So Mary found her sexual pleasure in the arms of other men. Maybe the woman tied to the bed would get lucky, and Pacey's manhood would shrivel under the pressure of consummating whatever the hell he thought they would be consummating. Thinking back, as Pacey dragged her into the bathroom, Mary couldn't remember what she ever saw in him. He was smart. She had liked that about him. But other than that, there was nothing likable about him. Perhaps their years of unfulfilled expectations had removed any trace of the love that she'd once had for him. Because for the life of her, she couldn't think of anything redeeming about him. Pacey shoved the bitch against the bathroom wall. The towel bar hit her spine in an awkward place. She groaned as the pain splintered down her back. Do you know why I'm doing this? He fumed. He shoved his face into hers. Do you? He jerked the gag away from her mouth. Spit trailed down her chin. Mary knew why. He didn't love her. He wanted her out of the way so he could live his delusional life with the pretty hostage tied to their bed. And he didn't have the balls to go through a divorce. So he was just going to make her disappear. He'd get to keep all their assets. Not that they had much. And none of the shame that came when a wife walks out on her husband. Mary moved her mouth, stretching her jaw through the pain. Does it matter? She whispered. She wasn't interested in hearing his justification. He was a selfish bastard. Always had been. Pacey put his face next to hers, letting his breath wash over her face. I don't love you, he screamed. Mary looked around the tiny bathroom. He'd covered everything with plastic sheeting. He'd thought this through, planned it all. 
He was going to kill her with as much regard as one kills a mosquito. Alicia heard the insane conversation in the other room. She didn't know how long she had, but she wanted to make good use of her time. With her feet still tied to the wrought iron footboard, she worked at the knot. She couldn't make it budge. She had to think. Slow down. She took a deep breath and tried to focus. She looked over her shoulder to the bedside table. The knife sat there, mocking her. There had to be some way to get it. She lay back on the bed, her feet only letting her get so far. She stretched, but the knife was out of reach. She cursed under her breath. She couldn't wait for Mike to rescue her. She had to save that woman. She had to save herself. There had to be some way to get the knife. She plopped back on the pillow in frustration. The pillow. She sat up and grabbed the pillow. She stretched and put the pillow behind the knife. She pulled the pillow towards herself. Nothing. The knife didn't budge. She cursed and tried again. The knife fell with a soft thud onto the carpet. Hope filled her. She stretched her torso, hanging off the bed while one hand clutched at the bottom sheet to keep her from falling. The rope bit into her feet, but the knife was just an inch out of reach. She sat up, scooted to the end of the bed, and pushed the rope further down her ankle, trying to give herself a little more wiggle room. She stretched back across the bed, gripped the bed sheet with one hand, and leaned over. She inched her fingers across the carpet. One fingertip made contact with the handle of the knife. She silently prayed for help. She stretched a little more, and another fingertip reached the handle. She dug her nails into the grip of the knife and pulled. The knife inched closer. She worked more of her fingertips into the handle and pulled again. The knife slid across the carpet. She grabbed it and pushed herself back up onto the bed. She scooted to the end of the bed and slipped the knife between the coils of rope. As she sawed, she heard a scream. She looked up. Fear froze her for a moment, and then she went back to maniacally sawing away at her bonds. Mary screamed when he shoved her into the bathtub, but he guessed that was to be expected. He chuckled at the sight of her knocked-out body crumpled in the tub. The scream was probably the last sound he'd hear from the bitch. She'd left a blood smear on the shower wall. He'd have to be sure to clean that up before Alicia saw it. He was thankful he'd thought of the plastic sheeting. That would make the cleanup much easier. Most of the mess would be contained in the bathtub, which he planned to thoroughly bleach. He'd just keep Alicia out of the bathroom for a while. Besides, they would spend their time in bed. He couldn't help but smile. Alicia finally cut through the rope and freed herself. She rolled her feet, trying to get the blood to return to her tingling toes. When she stepped off the bed, her feet felt thick, heavy. She wiggled her toes and felt the tiny zips and zaps that accompany the feeling of one's feet falling asleep. She tiptoed over to the phone on the bedside table and dialed 911. Alicia set the phone on the table, letting it ring on the other end. She didn't wait for someone to answer. She didn't want to take the time, but she hoped that the dispatcher would send someone. They were supposed to. She also hoped that Mike was on his way. She wasn't sure how long she could survive in Pacey's insane world. Clutching the knife to her chest, she crept to the bedroom door. She stopped at the hallway and listened. Pacey was humming. 
and she heard the sound of cloth tearing. She stepped into the bathroom and stopped beside the bathroom door. She realized that she'd never be able to sneak up on him. The plastic sheeting trailed out of the bathroom and into the hallway. She took a deep breath, gathering up her courage, and peeked around the doorframe. The entire bathroom was covered in plastic sheeting. Pacey was on his knees, hunched over the bathtub, cutting away the woman's clothes. She was out cold. Alicia saw the blood smear and noticed the blood streaks in her hair. Pacey cut the fabric of her shirt and bra and let her breasts spill out of the cups. He lifted her away from the tub and pulled the bra and teddy bear scrub shirt away and tossed them on the floor beside him. He carelessly let her fall back against the cold tub. Alicia cringed at the sound of her head plonking hard against the tub wall. Pacey was doing this all wrong. If he ever needed to get rid of someone again, he'd have them undress themselves first. Cutting away someone's clothes was a pain in the ass. He should have had her strip and then shove her in the tub. He paused for a moment and stared at the shower wall, as if reading a helpful hint there. Did she need to be naked? The lie dissolves bones. Wouldn't it also dissolve cotton? He snorted at his idiocy. Oh, well. The first time always has some glitches. He leaned back on his hunches and admired his work. Mary lay there topless. Her boobs sagged and her nipples were perched near her navel ring. A slight ring of fat circled her belly. He remembered how he used to enjoy pulling on that navel ring with his teeth and how she would grind her pussy against him. He admired her now the way one does their first car. She'd been his first, and he'd always remember that. She'd given him many a fun ride, but her body was clearly showing wear and tear and needed to be replaced. He smiled as he thought of Alicia and how her body would react to him. He was ready to take her for a ride. In the planning stages, he'd wondered about the best way to kill Mary. A gun, a knife, poison. He finally settled on a knife. It was relatively quick and quiet. He looked around, patted his pants, and realized that he'd left the knife in the bedroom. He placed a hand on the bathtub for balance and stood. The plastic crinkled under his feet as he headed towards the hallway. Alicia's heart pounded. She heard the plastic crinkle as he walked. Did he know she was out there? She stopped breathing. She squeezed the handle of the knife tighter, like a boa squeezing its prey. He stepped into the hallway, and she lunged at him. The movement in his periphery startled him. He twisted his body and raised his arm to deflect her, but the knife sliced his arm. He looked at the cut. It wasn't deep, but blood wept from the wound. Anger boiled in him. The bitch cut him. Alicia saw the rage flash in his eyes as she raised the knife again. Casey lunged at her. He grabbed her arm and slammed her against the wall. Lights dazzled before her eyes as her head made contact with the wall. He gripped her wrist and repeatedly slammed her arm into the wall above her head. She tried to keep her grip on the knife, but with each slam against the wall, her grasp weakened. The knife eventually fell to the floor. Bitch, he seethed. Look what you did to my arm. His breath washed over her as his spittle landed on her cheeks. Instinctively, she turned her face from him. 
desperate to separate herself from him. With his body pressed so close to hers, and her arms restrained against the wall, she did the only thing she could do. She slammed her knee into his balls as hard as she could. He buckled over, releasing her wrists as he groaned in agony. She jabbed her elbow into his back and ripped his gun from the back of his pants. She racked the slide, determined to shoot him. The sound of the gun slide focused Pacey. Without hesitation, he shoved his shoulder into her and tackled her to the ground. He landed on top of her, forcing all of her breath from her lungs as his weight crashed down on her. Their legs were a tangled mess. She hicked about wildly, trying to gain an advantage. He felt the gun pressed between them. His hands warred with hers for control of the weapon. He was stronger than she was, and she felt the gun slipping from her grasp. The shot nearly deafened her in the narrow hallway. She screamed and then tasted blood. The sticky substance oozed around her abdomen. Its warmth slid over her flesh. Pacey gripped her chin and pressed his lips to hers. She was too weak to shove him off. 28. Of all the fucking times to be driving a fucking limo, Mike cursed and slammed his hand against the steering wheel. Jack ignored his outburst and continued to bark out directions. He'd wanted to drive, but Mike shut that down. So instead... His job was to navigate so Mike could feel like he had some control in this fucked-up mess. The light turned yellow as they approached the intersection. Mike felt Jack's eyes on him. He pressed his foot to the floor. The limo took off through the intersection as the light turned red. He barreled through traffic, maneuvering the oversized vehicle with the grace of a shark in a bathtub. Horns honked and sucker moms glared at him from perched high in their minivans. Two minutes, Jack said right at the next street. The tracker had stopped in a residential area. From the intel, the location was Pacey Parker's house. Mike clung to the hope that she was there, safe and unharmed. He knew that hope was unfounded, but he was willing to cling to whatever he could at this moment. Mike turned onto the street. Trees lined the sidewalks in the neighborhood. Children ran in the yards and rode their bikes. Mike slowed the limo. He couldn't risk hurting a child. What number? He asked. Five, two, one, Jack replied. Mike pulled up to the curb in front of the house and stopped. It looked like every other house in the block. Nothing stood out about it that would make anyone think that a predator lived there. It looked average, just like the man himself. From the photo on Pacey Parker's license, he was so average and nondescript that his presence could go unnoticed in a small group. Mike bolted out of the limo and raced across the grass. He slipped his gun from its holster and held it down by his leg. Jack signaled that he would go around to the back of the house. Mike gripped the door handle and turned. Locked. Not a surprise. Windows lined the door frame. Curtains covered the windows for privacy, but they did nothing for security. Mike slipped off his suit jacket and wrapped his hand in the material. He punched through the glass and cleared the shards out of the way. He dropped his suit jacket on the porch, reached inside, and unbolted the door. Mike opened the door and stepped inside the house. He scanned the room and heard the sounds of a fight coming from down the hallway. The fight was good. She was still alive. A gunshot cracked through the air. 
His heart stuttered as the shot reverberated through the house. He froze for a moment, and then took off as an eerie silence descended upon them. Alicia lay in the hallway. The bastard was on top of her. Blood smeared her lips and ran down her chin. A red pool puddled in the carpet around their bodies. Mike had seen his share of blood. He'd dealt with the dying before. It was never easy. Some of them still haunted him. He tried to separate himself from them emotionally as they lay taking their last breaths. That was the only way to get through it. This time he couldn't. She was wrapped too tightly around his heart. He'd vowed not to fail her. And yet he had. Mike tossed the bastard aside. Jack flew down the hallway behind Mike and dragged Pacey away. Mike knelt over Alicia. Her shirt was soaked with blood. He ripped open her shirt and looked for the wound. All he could think was that he had to stop the bleeding. Judging by the amount of blood that had pooled into the carpet, he could lose her before the ambulance arrived. Stay with me, he ordered, as his fingers pressed over her abdomen. I'm fine, she stuttered, still trying to catch her breath. It's not mine. She sought out Mike's hands and shook her head in frustration. It's not me. Mike paused when her bloodied hands grabbed his. His eyes locked on hers. You're okay? She nodded. It's not me. That blood's not mine. Mike looked at the two men in the hallway. Jack knelt over Pacey, trying to stop the blood that poured from his chest. Pacey wheezed and spewed blood as he fought for each breath. Jack caught Mike's eyes and shook his head. It didn't look good for the bastard. Mike wanted him dead, but he didn't want Alicia to have to live with blood on her hands. He wanted to spare her that. Alicia tried to sit up, but Mike held her down. He didn't want her moving until she'd been assessed. No, you shouldn't move. Did you hit your head? Your neck? Alicia appreciated Mike's concern, but she wanted to get that look of fear off his face. I'm good, she assured him as she sat up. He grimaced at her, but she didn't care. She pointed towards the open bathroom door. Check on her. She's in there. Pacey's wife. Mike stood and walked into the bathroom. When he saw the woman, hatred for the man who would kidnap and destroy lives for his own selfish pleasure consumed him. He wanted Pacey dead. He wanted to kill the pathetic bastard himself, but it didn't look like he'd have the privilege. If Pacey lived, he hoped the bastard was treated the way he treated women in his life for the entirety of his confinement. That seemed like a just punishment. The plastic sheeting crinkled under Mike's feet. He opened the closet and pulled out a bath towel. He gently placed the towel over the woman's exposed chest. He took her limp arm in his and felt for a pulse. She moaned at his touch. Mike was relieved when he felt a steady beat. Sirens sounded in the distance. It wouldn't be long until they arrived. Cole and the others from Savage Securities arrived too, each member of the team willing to do whatever they could. Mike was thankful for their support. Their presence allowed him to focus on Alicia while Cole and the others interacted with the police. Between the ambulances, police cars, and the savage security vehicles swarming the Parker house, the peaceful neighborhood sidewalk was lined with curious neighbors. Kids straddled their bikes or balanced on their scooters as they watched the first responders handle the situation at the house. Nothing this exciting ever happened in their little piece of suburbia. 
parents attempted to herd their kids away as the EMTs started rolling people out on stretchers. But that only made the kids fight harder to stay. As far as they were concerned, the scene was just getting good. Mike rode with Alicia in the ambulance, but with the EMT there, he didn't want to say much, and neither did she. He stewed in self-contempt as he rubbed his thumb gently over her hand and stared at the red, raw skin at her wrists. He didn't want to think about Pacey, but he couldn't help but wonder if the bastard was still alive. Thanks for coming for me, Alicia whispered when they were alone in the private ER room. She felt so stupid. If she'd done what he wanted, she wouldn't be laying in a hospital bed, and he wouldn't have that look on his face. Mike sat on a chair beside her bed. I'm sorry I wasn't there sooner. Pain and frustration laced his voice. He stood and caressed her cheek. He wanted to wipe the regret and pain from her face. As far as he was concerned, he'd failed her. He'd let that bastard touch her. He hadn't convinced her of the danger that she was in. He'd let her walk into a minefield when he understood how dangerous the territory was. She'd been too innocent to even understand what she needed to protect herself from. The guilt in his eyes nearly killed her. He knew his history, the death of his sister. I should have listened to you. She sucked in her lip and fought back the tears, but she couldn't fight hard enough. The tears fell. 29. Mike helped Alicia into his condo. The time at the hospital had been emotional. He knew she had a rough road ahead of her, but he'd help her through it. He knew of several counselors and therapists who specialized in PTSD. He'd make sure she found the right match. She wanted to get the antiseptic smell of the hospital off of her. She wanted to get Pacey off of her. Can I take a bath? She asked. She looked up at him, standing so tall and strong, yet an aura of pain emanated from him. She'd done that to him, made him suffer again. Why hadn't she listened to him? Her voice sounded so tired and weak. Mike wanted to gather her in his arms and protect her, comfort her. Of course, he said. He gently pressed his hand to the small of her back and guided her to the master bathroom. He couldn't remember the last time he'd taken a bath in here. It may have been when he moved in. He leaned over, closed the tub plug, and turned on the water. How hot do you like it? He craned his head to look over his shoulder at Alicia as he kept his hand under the water. She stood frozen, unblinking, like she was a million miles away from him. It scared him. He stepped closer and took her hand in his. Hey. He stroked her cheek. You okay? He really needed her to be okay. Not great or even good, but he needed her to be at least okay. He needed her to put one foot in front of the other. Hell, he'd carry her out of this darkness as long as she had the will to take air in and out of her lungs. Yeah, she squeaked out. She stared at the water as it flowed into the tub as if transfixed by the swirling liquid. She leaned over and put a hand in the stream and adjusted the knob. I want it hot. Mike didn't want to leave her alone, yet he wasn't going to invite himself into her bath. He stood there awkwardly, unsure of what she needed from him. I'll just be in the bedroom. He tilted his head in the direction of his room, 
He hated this. He felt so fucking useless. She looked down at the t-shirt that hung way too big on her, grabbed the hem and slipped it over her head. Her shoulders ached with the movement. Would she always remember the pain? We should wash this stuff before you give it back to Cole, she stated matter-of-factly, handing Cole's t-shirt to Mike. She stood there braless, still looking into the tub. She'd thrown her bra away, along with the shirt, jeans, and underwear that she'd worn that day. She didn't want any reminder of Pacey. She didn't want to see those articles of clothing hanging in her closet. She didn't want to waste one more thought on him. She was going to eradicate him from her mind with the power of a mental nuclear weapon. Any and all trace of him would be totally obliterated. It would be as if he never existed. She undid the knot, keeping the sweatpants up and loosened the waistband. They easily fell to her ankles. I'm glad Cole had these clothes in his SUV, she said, her voice void of emotion. Mike hated the way she spoke, almost as if she were robots spouting programmed words. Me too, Mike said. She was clearly in shock. That was to be expected. She'd been through a harrowing experience. Perhaps he was in shock too, only he wasn't dealing with denial or overwhelming emotions. He felt one emotion, anger. No, maybe two emotions, rage. No, he needed to be honest. There were possibly three emotions roiling through him. He needed to add guilt to the list. Alicia stepped into the water. She inhaled sharply as the hot water stung the raw skin around her ankles. You okay? Mike asked when she winced. He held out his hand to steady her. She placed her hand in his. Yes. She nodded and relished the strength she received from him. And she sat down in the soothing heat and let out a heavy sigh. Do you have a rubber band? Her hair was going to get all wet if she didn't put it up. In my office. Mike rushed to his office, opened his desk drawer, and grabbed a few rubber bands. He wasn't sure what size she'd want. He also ran to the kitchen to grab a glass and the medication the hospital had prescribed for her. He usually did well under pressure, but right now he felt helpless. This was how he felt when his sister died. His parents had been numb. They either walked around the house like zombies, or their emotions poured from them in overwhelming, mournful cries. He knew that was coming. The tears. But Alicia was clearly a fighter, a survivor, and he'd help her recognize that in herself. He held his palm out in front of her, offering her the rubber band and the pill. Thanks, she said. She popped the pill in her mouth and took a swig of water. Then she handed him the glass and took the rubber band. She put her hair up in a messy bun and lay back. The hot water embraced her, soothed her. Mike turned to leave, but he was staying close. He'd sit on the bed and watch her. He didn't want her to fall asleep in the tub. The medication was sure to wipe her out. Stay, she said. She draped one hand over the edge of the tub. I don't want to be alone. I'm here for you, babe, Mike soothed. He sat beside the tub, crossing his legs like he did as a kid. He cradled her hand as it draped over the edge of the tub. They sat in silence for a while, his hand stroking hers, 
she stared into the shiny porcelain of the tub as if she were reading a mesmerizing book. Mike wanted to ask her what she was thinking, what was going on inside her head, but he knew she was processing the night. Alicia had to say it. She had to get the words out, make them real. She didn't know if she'd be able to do it, but she had. She was a different person now. She took a deep breath and a tear trickled down her cheek. She stared into Mike's eyes and said, I killed him. Here it was. The moment she admitted it, said the words, she was a killer. You did what you had to do, Mike replied. You saved that woman. You saved yourself. She broke down. Tears flowed, and she pulled her legs to her chest and sobbed. Within seconds, he was naked and sitting behind her. He pulled her to his chest, slid his legs along the edge of the tub, and wrapped his arms around her. She lay cradled in his arms and cried. He felt her sobs as he held her against him. He let her cry. She was cleansing her soul of the bastard. Mike realized something that perhaps she didn't. She wasn't crying because of the death of Pacey. She was crying for the loss of her innocence. The bastard had robbed her of the joy of naivete. When her tears slowed, she pressed his hand tight against her belly. I killed him. Mike stroked her hair, trying to bring her comfort. Her bun had been annoying his chin for a while, but he didn't know how to deal with it. She was so comfortable laying against him, and he relished the feel of her, so he just dealt with the annoying hair slipping between his lips occasionally. You saved Mary's life. You saved your own life, Mike said, pushing the annoying bun to the side. He was thankful the bastard was dead. She would eventually come to terms with that and then move on. If the bastard had lived, she would have had to deal with a trial and then court hearings. He'd come up for early release from prison, and she'd have to deal with that. Now she could close the book on him. Pacey was done. Finished. She would figure that out with time. Pacey's death was the best solution to this problem. Hmm? she murmured. You saw the bathroom. The man was a monster. He'd planned the whole thing. You did the only thing you could do. Alicia eased forward and turned to look at Mike. What makes someone do that? Kidnap someone and try to kill another? Mike could list all the reasons he could come up with, but none would truly make sense to someone like Alicia because her heart was too good. He was a delusional, selfish bastard who only cared about himself. Hmm, Alicia nodded. I'd have to agree with you. She looked at the raw skin around her wrists, hoping the marks wouldn't scar. The water's getting cold. Can we get in bed? Of course. Mike stood, and the water trailed down his body. He stepped onto the bath mat and grabbed two towels. He handed one to her. She wrapped herself up and stepped onto the bath mat with him. I left my pajamas in the other room, she said. I'll get them for you. She pulled out the rubber band and shook her head. Her hair spilled down her shoulders. Don't bother. She left the bathroom and walked into his room. She pulled down the bed covers and slipped between the sheets. It was fine with sleeping in the nude. He slid in beside her and pulled up the covers. She pressed herself against him. 
He draped his arm over her waist and listened to her breathe. Between the soothing bath and the medication, she was asleep within minutes. Alicia awoke the next morning with Mike's body pressing against her. She smiled to herself, thankful that she had him. She stroked his arm that lay protectively over her waist and nestled a little closer. Her body was sore from being stretched out, but she was willing to let him work out some of the kinks. Right now, she wanted to feel him. She wanted to feel alive. She wanted him to erase all of the horrors from her mind. She reached her hand back and caressed his ass, allowing her nails to slowly drag over his skin, and his reaction was immediate. A low growl rumbled in her ear as he pressed himself against her more tightly. Good morning, he moaned as his hand found her breast. Her nipple hardened as his fingers played with the bud. Morning, she replied, rolling onto her back. She gazed up at him, taking his length in her hand. She enjoyed the feel of his soft skin as a bead of precum seeped from him. Took in her shape, lying naked in his bed and every ounce of him wanted every ounce of her. She lay there, so trusting and open with him, that he couldn't help but fall harder for her. Make love to me, she said, rubbing him and letting her nails graze his balls. Yeah, he could do that. He was definitely up for that. Two months later, Mike entered the restaurant and saw her sitting at the bistro table. Her eyes were glued to her phone. Every once in a while, a smile lit her face. She was either on a social site or reading a ridiculous romance novel. Sometimes she read parts of them aloud to him. He wasn't sure whether to be amused or terrified by the graphic, unrealistic, corny scenes, but she loved them, so it worked out well for him in the end. His life changed the day she walked into the gun store. Her positive energy and light added a warm glow to his life that had been missing for a long time. He hoped that he added something to her life. He wanted to keep her around, and he was seriously thinking about forever. Alicia looked up from her phone when the chair across from her moved. Hey, handsome, she said as Mike sat down. She loved him. Yes, the word love flit through her mind whenever she thought of him. She loved him. He was her rock. He'd held her through the storm and carried her through the oppressive darkness that nearly drowned her. But now when she saw him, all she saw was love. She knew he loved her. She saw it in his eyes, in the way he let her snuggle into him while he worked on his computer at night and she watched television. She knew it in the way he took care of the little things around her house. He seemed to anticipate her needs and worked to fulfill them before she could even request his help. Thanks for meeting me here, she said. I love this place. The restaurant was always decorated nicely, but it was especially nice with the Christmas decorations. Twinkle lights and large scarlet poinsettias brightened the space. You getting cake for dessert? Mike asked, already knowing the answer. She never ate at this restaurant without getting a piece to go. She smiled. You know me too well. How was your appointment? Mike almost didn't want to bring it up. But she'd just come from her therapy session. He didn't want to ignore it either. It went well, she smiled. She hated the way the town labeled her a hero for saving Mary. That was not how she saw herself. She'd survived a psycho's obsession with her. And that was it. 
She did what anyone else would do, fight for their life. Now she was thankful that as new headlines filtered through the news stations, her return to anonymity grew. Just a little more time and no one would recognize her or even remember her name. That would be wonderful. But I don't want to talk about that, Alicia said, reaching across the table and grabbing his hand. Her lip twitched a little as she gave him a nervous smile. Maybe this isn't the place for this talk, but I've been thinking about it for a while. She took a deep breath and slowly exhaled. You sleep at my place every night. She leaned a little closer and whispered, How would you feel about moving in with me? Mike wasn't sure what she was asking. He wanted clarification. He leaned forward, squeezed her hand, and said, I've essentially moved in already. What do you want to change? She withdrew her hand from his and took a sip of her sweet tea. Well, she said, not too sure how to proceed. Maybe it was too early for this level of commitment. I thought it would be nice if you moved in permanently. The permanently part confused him. Was she asking him to marry her? Sell your condo and move in, she sputtered. You could save a ton of money. Ah, now it made sense. He was glad she wasn't proposing. When that happened, he planned to be the one doing the asking. In all honesty, what she asked scared him a little. Selling his condo was a big change, a commitment. But as he looked at Alicia, he knew his condo was just a place to store his stuff. Baby, he said, taking her hand back into his. I don't care about the money. I just want to be home. And home is wherever you are. He leaned across the bistro table and pressed his lips to hers. She'd gone into the gun store, trying to find security. But what she really found were strong arms to call home. Thank you for reading Blood Kiss. I hope you enjoyed this book as much as I enjoyed writing it. Please consider posting a review on Amazon and Goodreads. Your support makes a huge difference. There are five other Savage Security novels that are available on Amazon for your enjoyment. Just search Savage Security. On Friday, we will begin a new novel, Jane the Ripper by Danielle Nabert. A female serial killer is on the loose in a small town in Wisconsin. Maggie, the only female homicide detective, is put on the case. Who wins out in the end? To keep up with the various novels and authors that we will feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Do you want to be part of My Secret Obsession? I'm looking for secrets and tattletales to read aloud on the podcast. Do you know any small town secrets? Have you had a brush with danger that rocked your world? Are supernatural activities or hauntings keeping you up at night? Write your story and send it to my secret obsession podcast at gmail.com.